Hey, everyone, before you listen to this episode, I want to let you know Michael Hayes is the name of the man who spoke to Stone Cold Steve Austin after he got his lip broken at King of the Ring. And the name of Michael Hayes' tag team group is The Fabulous Freebirds. Coming to you from New York City, this week and every week, it's the Ben Kissel Show. I'm done, dude. I'm done with the Knicks. I'm done with basketball for the year. I don't care. You, are you a Knicks fan? Yeah, huge Knicks fan. It's been devastating. Did like, you read that uh, since I was 13? I was going to ask you, Pat, are you hearing Knicks? Yeah, or dude. Like now? And oh my God. Pray to Christ Anthony Mason makes it through. He had a, he had a, oh, a heart attack. Massive heart attack, dude. I saw that on the, on the, on the uh, taxi cab uh, news thing. Oh, my, well, I'm happy he made it to the taxi cab news so people know. I saw Anthony Mason... <laughs> The only time I ever saw him, I was walking down the street and there was a scaffolding up because they were doing construction. And, and he was, there was this massive creature in front of me with a fur jacket and his shoulder for literally touching the scaffolding. And I was like, whoa, dude, that dude's huge. So I walked by him, like I squeaked by him and I turn around and I see it's Anthony Mason. And I felt like a 13-year-old schoolgirl, but I was like, he doesn't want me to talk to him. He wants a, he wants a hot chick to talk to him. He doesn't want some huge-ass white six-foot-seven like Midwestern guy to be like, I like the way you play, sir. You know, he's like, move on. So I didn't say anything, but I love Anthony Mason, and I hope a quick recovery for that superstar, man. What if he did want you to say something? I hope I, – I, maybe he was lonely. Maybe yeah, he one, was sad. The one fan he needed. That one oh, fan man. needed that day. And he probably – that's probably had a heart attack because he's sick of people not approaching him. Like, you know <laughs> – like you should, you know, like, uh, like should he's not a, like he's not a legend. That that makes me laugh. He probably wanted that. All I'm, of them do usually. That's I do. Right. I like the intention. accolades. Yeah, you can never go wrong with complimenting somebody. That is a perfect rule of life. Compliment. Yeah. The more compliments, the better. Same thing with John Starks. If I ever see John Starks now, I'm definitely gonna say hello to him because I'm not gonna let another Anthony Mason moment go by like that. John Starks is my favorite player of all. Oh, he'll time. hate you. What if he hated you? And you're like, John oh, Starks. What if he hated you? Like Anthony. Anthony's dead. Now. I could bring up some stats <laughs> that could crush John Starks in a solo. Immediately, I, I inspired you to say hi to all the your your favorite uh, basketball players, and yeah. that, that one moment you're like, you know what, Jermaine's right. Let me go. Let me go and say hi. It. And, and John Starks just shits on you. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, "Who are you? I'm, I'm Ben Kissel." Fuck you, you fat gooey piece of shit. <laughs> he just spits on your neck. <laughs> <laughs> I would save it. I would save that saliva. Love John Starks. Still better than Michael Jordan. I understand I'm going to lose the debate. But I'm saying it, and I've said it since I was 13, and I'll never waver on my position. He was the guy who everyone was like, guy. He, it was Mike and him. Uh, it was Mike and Starks, man. Mike and Starks. Yes, sir. Who? Starks was the only one that could shut Michael down. I mean, Michael did win every single time that he did get six championships. Probably would have gotten eight championships. Has had Deddy not making made him retire and play baseball for two years, which is also sort of the reason that his father passed away because of a Deddy uh, of a betting, uh, a gambling thing, a gambling a dispute. Yeah. I thought that was a legend. It is true though. Yeah, because his father died. Um, we'll start. Welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Mike Coscarelli. Thanks for doing everything that you do, Mike. I'm joined by Jermaine Fowler. We're discussing uh, Michael Jordan and some basketball things. It's All Star Weekend here in New York City, and I'll tell you, it's nice to see some actual athletes perform at Madison Square Garden. As a Knicks fan, we haven't seen that in about <laughs> seven years, so it's nice to see some actual superstars out there. But Michael Jordan, his father was found dead on a North Carolina highway with a gunshot wound to his head. That's not natural causes. That's not normal. Everyone was just like, he pulled over to fall asleep. He was like 18 miles from his house. 
He's also Michael Jordan's father. <laughs> go to a hotel, <laughs> anyway area. Pull over. You don't. You go to a. You go to a Four Seasons. You don't just be like. Oh, I'm feeling drowsy. I'm gonna stop on the edge <laughs> of a highway and just take a snooze. If my dad sent me a text message like Jermaine driving right now down the street, getting a little tired. I think I'm gonna pull over real quick and take a little nap. I like Daddy. No, uh, <laughs> we got money. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll fax you some fax you money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll fax you some money. I'll Western Union. I'll Western you. Union some money, Pop. I, and, and that is extremely suspicious. But there was a yeah. string of like people whose whose uh, I guess son's uh, family was dying on the side of the street. Uh, Bill Cosby's son. Um, That's right. Remember he got get killed on the side of the street. He got killed on the side of the street. I don't know who could have been angry with Bill Cosby. Who <laughs> who could have been angry enough to kill his only son? <laughs> Maybe he has another son. I'm not sure if that's his only one. <laughs> Nonetheless. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for being here, Jermaine. No, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it's All-Star Weekend. I took time off from playing ball uh, to mm-hmm. come and do this podcast and whatnot. You know what I mean? That's Pe- right. People need me on the teams. Um, what Monstar character would you be? Of course, I'm referencing, uh, we were discussing Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, uh, one of the greatest centers of all time. There was a movie that came out called Space Jam. Muggsy Bugs and uh, Charles Barkley. Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Yes, sir. LJ, um, the last good Knicks team Larry Johnson yeah. was on even though the ref called a four point play I called that. a penalty that was not that was a bit of a myth but that's okay we'll take it I wouldn't probably I wouldn't be a monster I think I'd be the aliens before the transformation mm. uh, the, the the bug aliens yeah, 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 the, yeah. I, you know they were comedic relief I thought they were amazing if uh, you have to go inside of one NBA player's body and just live their life and have them do whatever it is that you want them to do who do you want to go inside of I, for a long t- for a long time I th- I Russell Russell Westbrook. Oh, that would be great. I, I I think I'm living vicariously through him. Everything I, that man does is amazing. He's he's awesome. He I think he's one of the greatest like off mm-hmm. the court and on the court. Like I, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Period. Like the guy is awesome. I, him and um, him and um, well, who's other? Oh, Stephen Curry is like he, dude. He, Stephon Curry is phenomenal. Yeah, he's the shit. He's a he's a fucking dork. It makes me I, his interviews are hilarious. I just yeah. love those type. I like I like I just like weirdos off the off the court. Like uh, I like. Personalities. It's you know nice I mean? to see Stefan Curry. He's like a. Uh, I think he's a more more attractive, no doubt about that. Reggie Miller. <laughs> he's more he's charismatic. Got the, got the gray eyes. You know. He dresses better. Reggie. What do you think about the NBA right now? I believe it's uh, it's Valentine's Day, and uh, yes, we're recording just a couple of guys, <laughs> but uh, they're doing an NBA fashion show, yeah. and the fashion in the NBA has become such an unbelievable sideshow. It's almost larger than the competition themselves. It is. It always used to be. Back, remember back in the uh, mid '90s, people just rocking, you know, starter jackets as fashion, and like, right. you, know, you know, Jordans came out, and all, you know, people just looking good. But like now is a, another resurgence of people just, you know, killing it with the clothes, like uh, the whole OKC. That whole like, two years ago, they were killing it on the press conferences, you know, rocking button ups and you know mm-hmm. uh, short shorts and all that stuff. Got those Rachel Maddow glasses, stuff like that. You know, they, looking like a skinny black Drew Carey's, dressing with like those big old they're dressing glasses. like Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, they yeah. were dressing like you know little girly hipsters, man. It was like I haven't seen that before. And yeah, people wanted to see that. You know they loved I mean? it. And then uh, now Carmelo Anthony's rocking that Freddie Krueger hat. And, uh, and Lala's got to dress mellow better. That's all I'm gonna but say. You, you've seen him wearing them hats. I like the Freddy Krueger hat. I don't like his little Jeepers Creepers hat. Is I it? mean, it's the only thing that I like about him. The man can dress very well. I think he's a charming dude. That's all he has. That's actually. all that he has currently That's right very now. True. You think he's gonna leave the Knicks? 
well, it doesn't even matter if he stays or if he goes. I think Lala wants to stay in New York, but as soon as she wants to move her career to the West Coast, they're going out to the West Coast. Uh, the whole experiment with Melo has been a nightmare. Phil Jackson, I believe that Phil Jackson is probably a raging alcoholic right now who's taken on Satanism. He said, fuck Zen Buddhism. I'm over it. The triangle doesn't work. I'm doing nothing but ground and pound whiskey straight up. He's living some bizarre satanic uh, life right now. Phil Jackson's been broken that, by how bad the Knicks are. That's all he has. I mean, he can. I mean, he. Sh- I don't know why he came back in that. Uh, in that, like, well, he uh, wanted to come full circle because Jackson used to be a Nick. You know, that's I believe awesome. he was on the championship teams. I get it, and that's uh, fine. Hey, that's fine. Do yeah. that. You can do that. But I don't understand why he, why he, why he, I don't know. I, I thought, think, he, I think that he thought he could do it, man. He got an ego, right? Yeah. It and was he an thought ego. he could come and transform the New York Knicks, but he didn't realize the power of nepotism and he didn't realize what a schmuck James Dolan is, the <laughs> owner of the New York Knicks, who recently got a letter from a fan who was complaining about how the Knicks are terrible because they won five games. Uh, they were five and, I believe, five and 29, something like that, uh, halfway through this season. They were terrible. Correct me on the record. I'm sure it's wrong, but nonetheless, they suck terribly he got a letter from a fan saying yo i don't want to be a knicks fan anymore he wrote the guy back a 60-year fan of the knicks by the way he wrote the guy back calling him an alcoholic saying no one likes him his family hates him and then he just told him to go be a nets fan and uh, that's that's how james dolan responded to the 60-year veteran fan of the knicks i mean the dude will not die a knicks fan that's for goddamn sure i hey i when i saw uh spike lee like i was talking about Yes. He, no, he's just doing these, like, uh, the, the bark. He's doing all the uh, the All-Star Weekend commercials right, and stuff. Right, right. And I'm looking at him like, one is not your stadium. One, right. I get it's Brooklyn. It's, you know, he's, he's Spike, you know, mm-hmm. in Brooklyn and stuff. But, again, I, I just, I think he might jump shit, too. Dude, I was talking, <laughs> I had to go to the doctor a couple of times this week. And uh, I was, uh, the, the wonderful thing about a doctor is um, thick black nurses. They are the greatest human beings on the face of the planet. I haven't seen a thick and, black nurse. Oh, my God. The, I go to a gay Irish doctor, uh-huh. and he has all of his nurses are just wonderful women. And uh, so she walked in. We started talking about the Knicks. She was traumatized. I'm traumatized. Her uh, her husband is devastated. Her children are devastated. They're still trying to cling desperately to the fanship of the Knicks. And I was we were discussing Spike Lee, and I believe when Spike goes— the whole Knicks franchise goes. When Spike Lee becomes uh-huh. a Nets fan, that's the equivalent of Lyndon Johnson. When Lyndon Johnson said, ah, if we lose Cronkite, we lose middle America. Of course, he's referring to Walter Cronkite, the news broadcaster. Uh-huh. If we lose Spike, we lose the entire Knicks fan base. And de Blasio. If, and de Blasio. You're going to leave New York, too? It's going to be terrible. It's going to be like 1993 New York. It's going to go back to those days. It's I cannot. Can you imagine if we ever see Spike Lee on the sidelines, courtside for the New York? For the Brooklyn Nets, Nets. I, I oh my remember when God. remember when Hulk Hogan went to the NWO. I remember that the of black, course with the black shirt. I was wearing. I remember exactly what I was wearing. I was wearing my Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, best wrestler of all time, the greatest wrestler. I mean, I, I gotta almost give my nod to my boy Mick Foley. I li- oh, okay. okay. Oh, I thought you was gonna say someone uh, cornier, but hey, no, Mick, no, Mick is I up there. I love Mick. Mick I, is up there. He's my he's he's my third favorite. I the, love Stone Cold the most. Mick Foley is one of my favorite athletes because he is the personification of um, doing what doing best with doing what you can do with the body that God has given you. <laughs> right, like Mick Foley, he's fat. <laughs> out of shape, never been uh, never been in shape, you no. know? But he was like, what can I do? 
What's the one thing that I can do? And then look, we look at a stapler and we're like, no, I could put my exam paper together with it and hand it into the teacher, hope for an A. Uh-huh. And he's like, I'm going to jam those things into my forehead. I can do that. I can, oh, he looks at a, he looks at an explosive. He looks at barbed wire. What do we say? Don't touch. He's like, I can touch I can that. touch that shit. He is a vessel. Uh, he's the, an amazing man. The man, uh, remember the episode of Simpsons when Homer became a boxer and Mo just found out he was, he just was. He can take pain. That's right. Like, you know, he can just do that. That's what Mick Foley was. He was, he was. Uh, walking, homer boxing. Like, he, he, uh, uh that, there was, uh, what was it when, uh, Undertaker and him, uh, mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell. Of course. Probably the first match I saw, I thought someone actually died in. I, I thought he died. Um, For those that haven't seen it, the entire match is on YouTube. Just Google uh, Undertaker versus Mankind Hell in the Cell. I believe it was 1998, and it was a, uh, I think it was a SummerSlam. SummerSlam or Survivor Series? Survivor Series. One of those two. It was SummerSlam or Survivor Series. They all uh, melt together at this point. Yeah. The greatest physical feat that you'll ever see in professional wrestling history. Period. Period. Mankind is supposed he's he's thrown off the top, but obviously these things are theatrical. So Mankind tells Undertaker, I'm going off the top. And Undertaker looks at him like he's batshit insane. And when the Undertaker, who is a man who has a character that has been going around for about 25 years where he pretends to be he the did. spawn of the devil, yes. when that character, who ha- you have to imagine is an actual extension, I forget his real name, I think it's Mark something. Mark Callis. Uh, when, that has to be a true extension of his character to some degree. Uh-huh. When that dude looks at you <laughs> and goes, tells you, I don't know. Oh, come on, man. Come on, Mick. Are you sure? It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, Mick. You know. just, 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 just my shoulder. I jump off. And if you <laughs> notice that clip, Undertaker barely touches him, and Mick just gets his fat-ass trolley butt <laughs> and just jumps right off there. Everyone his brown, is brown, brown spandex. Oh which my made me god! Laugh. His brown spandex always made me laugh. But go ahead, I'm sorry, dude. Under uh, mankind's brown spandex. <laughs> if those need to be. Those need to be in a goddamn museum yeah. next to, next to uh, you know. King, whatever, some <laughs> random king's he, robe. He would have, it was like some of your aunt wears at the grocery store. That's Dude, what, it was so, exactly and, like. the, and the thing is, it, you could see all the jiggle, all the wiggle. <laughs> this man looked like he was complaining about the prices of Hostess at a deli, but, constantly. But, Mick Foley had the fattest ass in, uh, in wrestling. It probably saved his life when he <laughs> fell off that goddamn cell. <laughs> but, but that wasn't the one that's, that scared me, not the one over right. the, It was that's the one the, where he choke slammed him. That's the first fall. He yeah. falls over 15 feet, mm-hmm. and uh, the medical crew runs out. Climbs back and, up. And they're legit freaking out. Uh, yeah. Dislocated yeah. shoulder, missing uh, ribs, ribs. Ribs are broken. Mm-hmm. I used to have the Anatomy of Mick Foley t-shirt that just listed his injuries. And it, the list of his injuries looked like a goddamn— It looked like the tour dates for Def Leppard in 1987. <laughs> I mean, the whole back is full of these injuries, man. It's absolutely insane what this man did for us. For, All for us. No, Fuck Jesus. Nobody else. Fuck Jesus Christ. Nobody what? else involved in it. Jesus Christ hung on the cross one goddamn time for us. Okay, three days later he rose. But you know what? Mick Foley did that every single night for Mick no money. Mick crucified himself probably every night. from, what was it, ni- uh, 1990? Did he start in 1990? When, when he, when he, well, he started 19, early 90s. Yeah. Early 90s, tried to get over with WCW, couldn't really do it. Finally went over to Japan, did the, uh, did oh, the yeah. uh, death matches where he met Terry oh. Funk. Oh, yeah. Um, I forget the, the, the great something. Um, he was a, a, a wrestler in Japan, and those matches are what made him the uh, yeah. superstar yeah. that he became. It was like his, like, uh, you know, like who, like when Rampage Jackson was in, like, doing yeah. uh, pride fighting for a long time, yeah. and he, you know, came over to, yeah, is that legend you're talking about? Get in his ass over here. And, you know, that's exactly what. What happened with Mick? They were like, "Oh, we gotta." I guess, I guess Mick, not Mick, uh, Vince. Did he? Did, what did he hear of? Like, heard heard about this guy in Japan, and he wanted. He just. Wanted. Well, this was during the the the. 
and we're going to talk, Jermaine Fowler is on a true TV show called Friends of the People, and we're going to talk a little bit about Jermaine's life and stuff like that, but we have a long time, um, so let's discuss this. What happened was, uh-huh. 1996 was the greatest time in pro wrestling history, uh-huh. because WCW, uh, owned by uh, Mr. Turner himself there, the TNT fella, the guy who was a multi-fucking billionaire. Turner Broadcast? Turner, yeah, he owned it. He was WCW. Holy shit. And so WCW just started to wallop the WWF, and it was the WWF at the time, and it should still be the WWF to this day. The World Wildlife Federation beat them out <laughs> only because, oh, we're trying to save animals. It's like, okay, but can't you just change your name? Fucking Panda logo. Fuck that shit. Dude, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so that was why, uh, that then Vince was like attitude. He didn't give a shit what anybody did. Yeah. Anything went. Yeah. He heard about this guy who could take a whole bunch of different chair shots to the face and was like well let's bring them in and make them bleed for our audience they're gonna love that shit as opposed to that pussy stuff that's happening over at wcw with bright colors steiner brothers yeah wearing their traditional amateur wrestling outfits helmet the earmuff things what are you worried about getting cauliflower ear dude (laughs) i that that was that mm, i I just saw about wcw i liked but never but never was a fan of it was like no there were wwf was always so much cooler because we were watching a company desperately try to survive and that's why it's not good anymore because he owns everything and monopolies as we've seen countless nah. times through business just ruin everything yeah once yeah. you monopolize your shit what's the what's what's what, motivation what else do you have to gain you have nothing you beat you beat everything you, know you got I mean? nothing yeah yeah i i used to watch wcw not nitro and all that stuff when yeah, I was yeah. a kid but then there was like raw on mondays and dude raw is war so there was three hours of nitro it started at seven and then three eight, hours of it nitro was three hours and then there was uh from um from eight to ten p.m was raw is war and then we would go back so we'd flip back and forth, and then right after that, they would replay Nitro. So we would just stay up and watch them all. Sweet. Dude, yeah. it was so badass. But anyway, uh-huh. going back to your favorite pro wrestler, and certainly uh, one of mine as well, I was one of those uh, nerdy kids. And I don't even know if it was nerdy because I'm six foot seven, so I'm not sure if the term can apply to me. Um, <laughs> but I love Stone Cold, and I was always flabby and fat. But for some reason, every time I saw him, I would clench my, uh, clench my gut. And pretend it wasn't full of Doritos. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm buff like Stone Cold. No, no, you're a fat piece of shit. <laughs> He's my fucking favorite man. He, the man. Okay, I, I went back. I recently went back to watch all of his like his bio. You know what oh, I mean? it's great. And he, I think he has the best wrestling bio. Period. Like, there's, I, I can't think of anybody who's that interesting. The thing is, for those that don't like uh, pro wrestling, it really doesn't matter what the. Um, the uh, what these people represent is what matters. Whether you want to be the president, a congressman, a senator, a comedian, or uh, or the greatest dishwasher at, ever, at, you know? at some random bakery, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Stone Cold Story is one of the greatest stories that's ever been told, and he is a perfect example of seizing the opportunity when uh, when it arises. So what happened was uh-huh. he was uh, he was in this was a Survivor Series for sure. Yeah. No, this was King of the Ring. Uh, King of the Ring. This when was King of the Ring. Started, uh, and uh, Stone Cold had been kicked around all the associations. Got WCW, fired from WCW, ECW. Eric Bischoff fired him. And that's uh, all real. All that yeah. Eric Bischoff shit, that dude was in charge. Yeah. That NWA yeah. stuff in the beginning of WCW, people were like, yo, is this legit? Yeah. It was <laughs> great. That's what gave it so much heat. Stone and, Cold. Yeah. Stone Cold finally gets his chance to come back to the WWF. And he had branded himself as Stone Cold at this point. Or he branded himself as Steve Austin. Uh-huh. 
And uh, I believe he might be called Stone Cold, and that's because his girlfriend uh, gave him the idea, which is a great story with Steve Austin. Tea, yeah, he had the tea. And, yeah, and she was British. Drink it before, yeah, you better drink it before it gets Stone Cold or something. Yeah, yeah, like, he's like, oh, Stone Cold. Yeah. And then it, 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 the way st- and then it just clicked. And, and it might, you know, brother, that's why that clicked it It's perfect. <laughs> so he's he's in this uh, he's in this match. I forget who he beat. He beat some dude, but he gave him a bunch of stitches in his bottom. Oh, that was uh, uh, the snake, uh, Jake the Snake. No, that's uh, Jake the Snake was afterwards. Jake was after- after? Yeah, because he had to go to the hospital, right? So Stone Cold oh. got all stitched up. I forget he was playing. He was wrestling. I want to say some jobber, but it's it was uh, it was King of the Ring back then. So I'm not sure. Probably some good ass dude, but I forget who it I is. Think it was a good dude. So oh, go ahead, yeah. He goes to the hospital, comes back. Uh, you know, um, Jake the Snake had won his match, and Jake the Snake is fresh out of his eighth bout of rehab. Uh, and you know uh, he became real religious and shit. And he talks to Doc from one of the uh, from the flying, um, the white dude with the long blonde hair. Mm. He was part of the um, mm. the flying the the flying Stanleys or something like that. I forget. Um, I forget. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe you can find that, Mike. The flying the flying something for pro wrestling. Um, and uh, so the dude's like. Stone Cold's like, yo, Doc, what did uh, what did Jake the Snake say? And uh, he said, uh, he said something about John three sixteen, and you know, Stone Cold's like, all right, I, I got, got it, it, I got it, it's fine, I got it. And he coined himself <laughs> with that, you know, during that whole promo. You sit you, there you, and you, thump you, your body. You this is all improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the best part about right. all this. All the best promos have not been because someone wrote it. They all he all leading up to all that. He's yep. been shat on. Dude. He's been shadowed yep. his whole career, and he what he knew what he could do is wrestle. But I, no one like really gave him a mic. You like got to grab that opportunity. And he seized the fuck out of it. Yes, and then, he did. And then he got a few fans, you know, who came to the show. He finally got a thing. Finally got like a. He branded himself. Finally got a brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin three sixteen. He branded himself on par with the Bible. Yes, I mean that's genius. It's, that it's fucking because think about it. Uh, this is also. This this also helped the attitude era too. You totally. know what I mean? Like it, that no one does that. That's that's Nobody. sacrilegious, it's blasphemous, but again, it's Flying Scots. Flying the, Scots. the Flying Scots? Yeah. I, I don't think that's right. I would never That's what Wikipedia says. That's Doc Doc and everything like that? Fly, hold on. All right, Mike, come back to us later. I would have never thought of the Stan, the Stanleys. What do you say? The Scots, Scots. No, I don't think it's Scots. the Flying Scots. It's something different. <laughs> the the Flying, the Flying, something with an H, maybe. We'll figure it out. Flying Henleys? I don't know. Maybe it was the Henleys. Doc Henleys his name. No, that's the name of a. Our. Right, we'll figure it out. I don't know. But uh, Mike, you're on. You're on call. This is very. This is very important. By the end of this episode, we got to figure this out. Um, but then also, yeah. So we grabbed the opportunity. Austin three sixteen. He also double tagged it. And that's the bottom line because yeah, Stone yeah. Cold said so. You can see, you can see like I, there was a, there was a beat between that that the, the, the catchphrase and yeah. like what he finished with. So he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, and you see him think, you know, he just goes, and that's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what the all that came <laughs> together that night, all of it, all of it came together, dude. It was, oh my! Did you see the one before that when he was on ECW? And um, or was it, I think it was ECW? Was that a King of the Ring? Oh, the ECW promo, seven minutes long. He yaps about Eric Bischoff firing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, is that, was that before King of the Ring? Or? That was definitely before King of the Ring. That was hair. before he went back to the WWF. Right. And they called him the ringmaster yeah, 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 when yeah. he got back <laughs> there, and they made him a drone for Ted DiBiase. They Vince had such a lack of foresight that he did refuse <laughs> to give a microphone to what would be the greatest speaker, yes. in my personal opinion, in WWF, WWE history. Better than The Rock. I think it's better than The Rock. I think it's better than CM Punk. I think it's better than anybody. I, period. I agree. And Because he was effortless. 
He he wasn't, you know, he would just speak. Some people just like really have to like, rile up the crowd and right. stuff, but he would get on stage like and he'll he he'll keep his head down. I think his neck was all fucked. I have no oh idea. Oh my god. Well, Owen Hart damn near crippled the guy for life. And didn't and didn't call him back afterwards. Um I I just love the way the, uh, Stone Cold he would look down at the ring and pace around with his crooked ass neck and yep. just walk all four squares talking with his hand, one hand up, yapping. And it was like he wasn't trying to reach anybody. He was just like speaking his mind. Right. And that's that. Those are my favorite promos. Oh, it's, do the best when they aren't reaching for anything. It just made ah that, that dude. I he made my childhood. I've always wanted to be that dude. When I was a I'm kid. with you. And you know what, Jermaine, you have become that dude. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about you and not so much Stone Cold. But those are some great pro wrestling days. <laughs> but everyone, going back to what I was just what I was saying before, you can apply these personality traits to anything you want to be with your life. You've been destroying it. You're a young dude. Thank you, man. And Jermaine is um, a. Uh, one of the nicest men uh, in in uh, that I've met here in New York City, and I know a lot of nice, very nice men, <laughs> uh, and I know a lot of great people. And Jermaine, uh, you're definitely one of them. One of my favorite stories about you, and I'm not even sure if you know that I know this story, but I was talking to our friend Kevin, Kevin Barnett, there's always Kevin, who was, uh, but this is years ago. This is before <laughs> Friends of the People. You had just gotten, I forget what you had just gotten. Maybe it was uh, you were on the, um, you were you were you were cast in the uh, in Living Color, oh, the, that mm-hmm. thing. Uh, the, they were trying to reboot it. That didn't really go anywhere, but that happens all the time in this business. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. But as soon as you got some heat, you wrote a letter to a woman, I believe it was a female booker, a producer. You wrote an email uh-huh. to a woman that refused to book you. And you just went on and went on. And you were like, oh, I, I'm doing all these things now, dot, 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 dot. And your final sentence was, and I'm 24. <laughs> I did do that. What was, was that story about? <laughs> I love this story. And I'm 24, which I'm a 33-year-old man. And I'll tell you one thing. That stings. That's st- when you're older and then you're like, and I'm 24. You're like, oh, shit. It's like whenever you want, like all these, all these uh, NBA players, all of them, 28, 27, 26. And you're just like, oh, my God. What have I done with my life? Yo. <laughs> I love this story. Man, okay. So listen, <laughs> I'm from D.C. There's a club. Uh, uh, you know, in, in DC, everyone, all, all the local guys just just clamor to try to perform at DC Improv, and uh, I, I was a, I was like I moved to New York. I wasn't a regular there, but I moved to New York to try to you know get up at New York stages and stuff. Um, but like I, I still wanted to like you know feature at the Improv. I was broke. I just wanted to perform right. there and do some stuff there. And uh, it was like a dream club. You know, everybody like the first night they opened. You know, Chappelle was there and <clears throat> when he was really young and like it's was, it was a legendary club. Patrice. Uh, tapes uh, a special there. Patrice O'Neill, yeah, rest, yeah. In, rest peace. in peace, man. Um, he have a quarter special there. I think even Mike Birbiglia did too. Like it was a legendary club. It's a right. great club. So, <clears throat> uh, the booker at the time there, uh, I guess she just wasn't like booking uh, at the time. You know, local comics or even uh, maybe not even that. Maybe she didn't just find me funny. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But well, this is a thing that a lot of the comedy clubs do in these local areas. Yeah. They treat everyone who is there like they're garbage, and they treat everyone from out of town like they're gold. And it has no yeah. actual. Uh, it's no indication of a uh, talent. Yeah, not not really. But the thing about like Chicago, Chicago, they build their local talent up amazingly, and I, I thoroughly right. enjoy Chicago going there because everyone's just so supportive, and there's no reason for anybody to be bitter there because everyone's really. And there's no, there's no crabs in the buckets there. You know, no one's trying to bring each other down. I, when, I, when I was there, at least, I, it felt like I, I felt like everyone there was kind of supported. It felt, it felt like a, because Chicago knows how dope their city is for comedy. You know what I mean? And Chicago also has a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say chip on their shoulder because it's not very midwestern to have a chip on your shoulder. It's you know more I mean? midwestern to be named Chip, <laughs> um, and have a couple of shoulders. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, but they, 
they are constantly fighting to be valid. They're yeah. constantly fighting with L.A. and New York. Yeah, to, to be, uh, to be a, that 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 also that hub for like entertainment. You and know? I'll tell you one thing: the Midwest is the they have some of the the comedy club on state in Madison, Wisconsin. It's mm-hmm. right by uh, the University of Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Uh, is the greatest comedy club in the history of comedy clubs. Man, that crowd is yet. hot as hell. God, I haven't been there yet. Holy People shit. in the Midwest love comedy, so that makes sense that Chicago is. Th- that's very true. The Midwest, dude, they're so nice. All they got is comedy. You know what that's I mean? it. That's uh, we're freezing and miserable. Oh, <laughs> oh and we're got. drunk. Oh, we want. Is comedy. The reason why there's a reason why TV thrives, you know, on the coast, because right. we are all the all the people who watch TV on the Midwest. You know, that's all the you know the sounds can like totally yeah, all they go to. So, I uh, I, I love I love the DC Improv and whatnot, and it was I I, I finally got fed up because I wasn't getting booked there. I sent the uh, the booker at the time uh, uh, an email that said, "Hey, um, because I've been emailing her for you know for years trying to get on stage and whatnot, and uh, we're we're cool now." But uh, you know, like uh, I-, I emailed, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I uh, <laughs> I think you know, look, I- I'm doing this. I'm doing. I-, I just booked, you know, the color pilot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting up almost everywhere in New York. Uh, you know, I'm at the cellar. Uh, you know, uh, what else? Oh, I forgot. Oh, opening for this guy. I'm doing all the. I, I, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. listed the whole catalog of the stuff I was doing because I was just so frustrated. I was so angry. And at the end of the email, I said, uh, "Yeah, so you should probably, you know, at least." Book me to be a feature, you know what I mean? So, you know, oh, and at the end of it, I tagged it. Oh, by the way, I'm 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sent it. I didn't get an email back. I wasn't expecting an email back. It was just like one of those, like, I was venting uh, out all my my frustrations about, like, because I can't get love in my hometown, you know what I mean? Like, I... It's I, ridiculous. You know, I, and literally, getting past at the Comedy Cellar, it's one of the most difficult comedy clubs to get past at in the entire world. It's very prestigious. It's very... It's yes. huge, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that because I work there... I, I should be everywhere. You know what I mean? Not right. that at all. I'm not pretentious about that club or any club. No club is better than the other, but I would love some love in my hometown. That's all I wanted. You know? Right, right, right. And so I sent that email, and uh, I don't know if I told Kevin that story or if I sent him the email or whatnot, but I still have it in my email. You got and, to. And I, if I can find it, I'll read it right now. <laughs> I'll Dude, read it right now. I would but. love it. Fine. But, you know, these are the important things that you have to do because in this business, you get shut down <clears throat> so much. You get constantly yeah. told no, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, you were adults, we're men. We can deal with it. And, you know, and, and women can as well. But uh, you, you, you understand that going in. That's kind of one of the uh, social contracts that you sign when you want to get into the entertainment business yeah. or when you want to become a comedian, yeah. an actor, or, uh, you know, a, an artist of any kind. You realize that there's going to be a bunch of doors that are constantly going to be closing on you but it's up to you to pry the ones open that you possibly see some light peeping through exactly so like i feel like if you if you really believe you have the talent for anything and you're just really sick of just getting shot on you you, I, you fight for yourself you know what i mean just right b- back it up but fight for those opportunities you know like, i don't mind like i've been like from i mean yeah i got a lot of things happening when i was younger but like i always felt like i really had to fight for them you know what i mean because like when i when i was starting off in new york i got signed i got a rep by uh bob wax and richard tankin over at the comic strip okay and i was probably 21 or whatever maybe 21 and going on 21 or 20 going 21 and <clears throat> i didn't i was young i didn't know i was like a target for like most comics that hated me or whatever like i, I was a young guy getting up there all the time and people fought to get there for years and like right right no I, I just i just i ate peanut butter and jelly for dinner and breakfast up to that point you know well I mean? you don't gotta brag about how well you were doing <laughs> i would love a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner pb and j is one of the most underrated uh cuisines of all it time it is by and the way i, I still eat it and this is the problem with branding uh-huh. i'm upset the prisons took it 
Prisons took peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and the next thing you know, oh, it's trashy food now? I'm sorry. Pioneers ate it. It's fucking delicious. It's I love it. It's got vitamins in it. It's got protein in it. It's but got you know, bread in it. There's another problem that I have with that story. Mm-hmm. 21 years old at the comic strip, past getting up. The individuals who are super upset, there's a lot of comedians and stand-up comedians uh, in particular who bang their head against a wall attempting to make that wall a door, and that wall is a wall and it's never going to open up. Uh-huh. And they uh-huh. don't understand. The reason you are past, you're fucking handsome. Thanks. Funny. You got them dimples. I got you got dimples you know, too, by the way. Like Dean Ambrose. I'm losing Little some weight. <laughs> I'm losing some weight. You know, you got that. Uh, you know, you got that perfect, perfect complexion. You know, <laughs> you're nailing it. So all these dudes are like, "Why is Jermaine passed?" I don't know, dude. Because he looks better than you. Because he looks better. I mean, honestly. He's funny, and he looks better than you. That's so funny. That doesn't. What, what, what's the issue? I, listen, I'm not gonna say I'm not marketable. All I'm saying is, I, I, I wasn't gonna let the opportunity, the opportunity go to waste. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I yeah. Need, what are you supposed to do? Be like, oh no, no, no. I'm no. gonna give it to this dude who's been, you know, doing road gigs for the past 40 yeah. years because he doesn't understand exactly. how to work smart, or, or not hard, or I don't want to take this opportunity because I'm afraid other people might think about me. You know what right, right, mean? right. I, I'm not gonna do that. I, Did Stone Cold concern himself with the, what the locker room was gonna think when he branded Austin 316? Fuck no, I he do did not, not think so. Exactly. You gotta think what Austin would do. All right? Always. W W A D, man. All right. So I was, I was, just, I was in. After after I fired those guys, you know what I mean. Like uh, I've been working that club before, uh, like for like probably two years straight. Whatnot. Right. And uh, I, I appreciate it, all that stage time. It made me funnier. Period. And like uh, one, I'm not one of those guys who's you give me an opportunity. I'm not gonna like cl- gloat about it or anything. I, I like. If, if I'm at a position that's that can help other people out, I'm gonna ha- ask my friends to open for me at comedy clubs. I'm right, like, uh, right. hey, you want to do a, a set for me here? Do you want to fucking op- open for me here? Do you want to do a sketch on my damn sketch show? I'm not gonna let my, you know what I mean? If I'm yeah, eating, yeah. you're gonna eat too. That's the that's that fucking Jay Z way of thinking. You know what I mean? Like, and I can guarantee you that's accurate because season one of Friends of the People, I was uh, I had the benefit you of did, like uh, three sketches. I was in three sketches. I will say a bit of a typecast. I was an officer, tall white guy, and. Then then I was a basketball hoop. Yeah. And I was, and people say, oh, what do you mean a basketball hoop? You were a no, literal. I was a basketball. I said, Kevin said, oh, we want you for this sketch. And I said, ooh, will it show my chops? Will I be able to really delve into a not character? Not at all. No, you're a basketball hoop. You are a literal, you're not speaking once. And right. I loved every goddamn second it of it. It was fucking fun. It was great. But it was funny, it's like, that's all Kevin's fault, by the way. He, oh, he, he typecast you, not me. I, that's okay. I, I, okay, good. So, fucking fuck Kevin. <laughs> Kevin's a racist, by the way. Um... I, I we we anybody who's ever been nice to me, period. If I get on, you get on. That's, that's, right, right, how, right, that's, right. that's how I think. You know what I mean? So, I, I for a long time, people been you know they 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 think just because like I I look I, I don't know I act the way I do or I look the way I do like I'm just like just I'm just a face or whatever. I don't know. I get I get upset about it. People told me like I didn't like you when I first met you. Like why not? Because you you just you're I guess you're. They were jealous. I guess. I don't fucking know. But it makes me angry. They were wondering why their dick was twitching. (laughs) Because that's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. When you see something that's attractive, there's always extra blood flow. Yeah. To the dog. It's, it, you, they got a little heavy down there. They and got heavy. They got halves, man. And it's fine to get heavy. You can get heavy all you get want. But don't get mad at me because you're heavy. Right. No, nah, I just, uh, for a long, for like the early years was, was rough. So you had that, so you were 21, got passed at the comic strip. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward 24, you get told that you're going to be in, in Living Colors. They're yeah. bringing it back, which 
is never a good idea because you can't Period. capture lightning twice. No, you, you one you one you can't. But they tried to do it twice, literally with the old cast. Also, like they, they I think they wanted to like do a, like a special where like I guess the old cast passed us the torch, and I'm like I don't want a torch. I want my own. I want to fucking get my own stick, burn it myself, and right. make my own, you know I don't want anyone else's torch. Fuck that. I want my own. I want to carve my own path. You know. So so when you got cast in that, were yeah. you super excited? I was. I didn't want to do it. You didn't um, want to do it. And hell no. Uh, one, one. I just didn't believe in my uh, my sketch ability. I was doing stand up for years. Yeah. And it was weird because I got into stand up to act. You know what I mean? Uh, that's all I wanted to do was do action comedies when I was a kid. So like, I thought stand up would help me catapult to all that shit. Right? right, right. So I was doing stand up for years, and I wasn't working on any sketches whatsoever. But I always had ideas and shit. And so Avi, uh, my old manager, and like uh, I guess uh, some of the agents I had at the time, they were like, "Hey, we're just gonna send your reel to the producers of Living Color." I was like, "All right, cool, whatever." They liked it. Right. And he asked me to, um, they asked me to, it was funny because the guy was in LA at the time, my buddy Justin Kusan made the reel, it was fucking funny. Uh, anyway, so like, um, uh, they made the reel, they liked it, so they asked me to do an audition at UCB, uh, I think the Late Show or whatnot, and, uh, I did it and murdered, it was fucking fun. That's great, and what, were, uh, was, was it, were there any weigh-ins in the crowd, or, uh, executive the fir- producers, the or first writers? One, the first one, no, but there was, uh, there was a producer there named Shauna Gar, who's, I, I, I love that lady, she, she gave me my first big opportunity, which was Living Color, so she saw nice. me there, and we had a meeting after that show, she said, I'm gonna have you audition for Keenan, and I was like, alright, all right, fine. And then I think then I wanted to stop. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want audition. Um, uh, um, audition in front of Keenan Wayne. Yeah, yeah the, the executive producer. Yeah, the guy who fucking the uh, grandfather of the Wayans. Of you know, yeah, he pioneered comedy. You know what I mean? He's one of yeah. like pioneers of comedy. Period. He's fucking directed and produced some of the greatest movies and like specials. Like you know what I mean? The guy he broke Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, the, uh, Fly Girl at the time. <laughs> I forgot about that. He He's broke sh- Jim Carrey, Rosie Perez. All you know, all the ladies. Um, so I don't want. I don't think I wanted an audition in front of him only because of so much pressure. But uh, yeah. I got talked into that again, uh, which was a good talking to, and I did it and. I was late for the show. I'm late to everything. Good, uh, good. I'm the latest person of all time. I'm with you, but I'm always late as well. But and when people criticize me for it, I just say I'm European, dude. Even that, like, you it, know, I'm Italian. This is an Italian style. I just pretend as if I'm more uh, worldly because I'm late because it's yeah. a very uh, U.S. Um, tradition to be exactly on time. Oh wow! Yeah, in Europe, dude, they're always late, man. Italy is like, we'll be there at three. They show up at five thirty, and you're like, why are you so early? Really? What the fuck? Are we complain? We're I, working too hard. It was funny. I've never, I've never truly apologized for being late, and if I do, I don't mean it. It's like right. I, uh, I'm late. I'm just like, okay, um, I'm not apologizing. It's already happened. I'm not going. What do you mean? Go back in time and. Now watch porn before I got here. That's why I'm late. It really, I used to well, most time I'm late is watching porn. Yeah, anyway. well, you can't be walking outside with a goddamn fully loaded shotgun exactly. everywhere you go. You're gonna have crusty pants and a whole bunch I'm of people are gonna ask I'm gonna you get to get arrested. You know, I'm gonna asphyxiated by the cops. That's right. Um, so uh, I was late to the audition uh, for uh, uh, Keen Ivy Wayne's. I I don't know why they told me that I was late. What were the, you doing for the audition? I was doing um, uh, this character called Black Genie, which is one of my favorite characters. Isn't it just Genie for you? Uh, for me, yeah, but for the audience, I wanted, I, at the time, I wanted to tip the joke. Oh, right, right, right. It was right. about a genie that was black that made his white master feel guilty about the wishes he made or whatever. <laughs> Fucking great premise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was genius. So, um, uh, I did that. I think Josh was there, or, I think Josh did help me with that audition. Josh Rabinowitz from Friends of the People as well. Fucking buddy of mine. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm a lot of shit. He's a fucking great guy. And, um, I did, uh, Chris Tucker auditioning for the Joker, um, in Dark Knight. 
Uh, right. So I, you did some great stuff that you were really happy with. Yeah, it's stuff I came up with like right there. Like I did some stuff I came up with right there, and then I mixed it with stand up and shit like that. So uh, they cast you off of this audition. Yeah, Kenny was there uh, laughing and shit. I think I heard him laugh. It was pretty weird. And I, I mean, yeah. How did that feel when you meet uh, <laughs> when 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 you make one of your idols laugh? I feel like that's got to be one of the highest compliments a person can possibly receive. Almost cried. Almost cried. Yeah. It was strange. I got almost cried. It's just like. Uh, I've worked so hard, like you know what I mean. Like I worked, right. I was so broke, and like I've I've admired a lot of people in my life. You know what I mean? And it's, to have one of them laugh at a joke or a whole set, it, fuck, it just dude, it, totally. it, I felt the validation. Like, oh, I am fucking funny. Eat a dick, everybody. It just felt like that. You know what right, I mean? and so, then I mean to have them laugh is one thing, and that's very nice. But to have them cut you a check and cast you in their show, that's a whole nother no, level hey, of so appreciation. Pretty, that's so pretty damn good too. You yes, know what I mean? It's funny. I mean the 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 uh, the Eleven Color uh, pilot didn't come to fruition. No, but. Fuck it. it. That was the biggest thing I did at the time. And I met, uh, I'm not trying to be corny, but I met so many fucking awesome people I still talk to to this day. You know what I mean? And like, uh, uh, Keenan, I learned so much watching him direct and like uh, pick apart our sketches and shit. The man's a fucking genius. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, I, I learned so what much. What was shit. something that he did where you were just like, I'm going to take that and use that and apply that to my own life? He was very methodical and like the way uh, we would come in with jokes and like uh, his timing was amazing. I'm very like, uh, at the time, like I was like, boom, 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 boom. You got to, you got to, you got to not, you got to not like not talk. You got to, I, I didn't like down moments in my sets at times. I like- it, it is a classic curse of a newer, not newer comedian, but of a comedian in general. It's the last thing you learn is that silence can be good. It's the best thing you can fucking. Yeah. I, I at that at that time I didn't like it. You know what I mean? I, it's terrible. You know, it's unnerving. Exactly. What are you doing up there? Am, am I bombing? Sleep? Exactly. Yeah. That's what you think. But like I watched Kanan. Uh, uh, and this is from an acting standpoint. He was like uh, he directed the the Black Genie sketch, and he was like, "All right, you say this there. You're gonna do that beat." And like, mind you, when he was speaking, like. He, it was what he was like composing music. It was gorgeous. Like the guy would, I I learned watching him like how to like pace myself during sketches and you know right and, and how to act and stuff. It was it was dope as shit. I goddamn it was awesome. So I learned that from him and like. Uh, uh, the show didn't come to fruition. Right, that's fine. You know, I actually auditioned for that show as well. I had oh, you the did same too? manager at the time, and uh, I did the worst audition in the history of auditions because <laughs> I just told him I don't act. And I was like, I'm too big, I'm far too white, I know you don't want me here. And then they were like, yeah, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, I just left. So if that ever gets released, that'll be uh, shockingly embarrassing. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I've had auditions that I was like, if that leaks... I'm careers. done. Exactly. It's all over. Exactly. I, the whole everything I've built has been destroyed. You know that's how right. <laughs> so I mean, uh, so life goes on. The yeah. thing doesn't come out, nope. uh, which is probably for the best once again because now so. you get to work on your own project. Yeah. And but, uh, but this project was yeah. not an easy thing to get to air. People are just like, wow, overnight sensations. No, they got their TV show. This thing was I've, a I've chore. Had, yeah, I've had five pilots go to shit. I've had so many projects go to shit. I've had uh, so many writing go. To, everything's been to shit, which yep. has been great for me. I've right. never. I've told myself thirty is my fucking age when I want to be somewhere. You know what I mean? Like right. I don't want to blow up too quick. I I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I know people who blown up too quick and like you see the, the simmer away because it happens too fast. It's just not 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 the right time for them. But people choose it's some people almost, to latch on to. I feel like you can almost equate it to um, having a product. I watched this show called Shark Tank on CNBC, <laughs> exactly. yeah, good, good one, which yeah. is a great show. Um, and, uh, and Mark Cuban can actually dance fairly well, oh! which, uh, which I saw in an episode, and I was, I was impressed by that. Good. But it's similar to having a product that is just unbelievably amazing, and the supply or the demand goes up so high, and you don't have the supply for it. Uh-huh. So when you hit big, a lot of people I know with like Last Comic Standing and some of these other places – um, where you get major exposure very quickly, sometimes they don't have the supply for the demand, whether yeah. that be in uh, maturity or content, content or just the um, talent, understanding yeah. of the in, uh, industry 
free enough yeah. to really yeah. do it. So I think that's super smart for you to just sort of bomb everything early. Right. I, yes. I, fail early. Exactly. I I yes. love I okay. So like Chappelle, Nine Pilots went to shit before. I think he got Chappelle show. Right. And that was probably the biggest inspiration to me. I was like, man, I can't wait to get Ten Pilots. With that. I I want that. You just all you do is learn. And That's you right. get more like you just learn. That's all it is just learning. I, I uh, we and did, going back to Stone Cold, yeah, exactly. You know, went the, the, fired from WC in ECW, went to WCW, fired, went back to ECW, yeah. about to be fired from WWF, uh-huh. and it kept learning how to speak and like just right. and, and, and wrestle better. Probably you know he never stopped because he one he loved it. I love this shit. I love entertainment. I love right. all every aspect of it. I love all of it. I want to wrestle one day. I want to do all that shit. You know what I mean? Right. I want to direct. I want to do all. I want to learn everything I can. And all, the only way I can learn is to fail. That's all. That's I, it. You know what I mean? I'm a fucking sponge and the best way is to get fucking to have something fail so hard that you learn from your mistakes and that's what happened with friends of the peoples before that happened um i did a pilot for comedy central called legion of goons right and uh it was same cast friends of the people and uh we we uh we, we wrote it we wrote the pilot on google drive we didn't have an office yeah, you know yeah. what i mean which is fucking hilarious by the way and uh it, i mean the the, the 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 script was hilarious um but we shot it and it just wasn't what we thought it would be and what like uh we wanted it to be actually and like uh i don't i, I don't know i don't point fingers anything like that it was a great director you mm-hmm. guys had some really yeah, big yeah, stars yeah. gerald daryl hammond, hammond was a part yeah, of yeah, it yeah yeah it was it was like a funny thing about that we i knew that wouldn't get picked up because when it was the same sketch you were in uh we, we were on set and the, the extras had all their shit stolen from a, a thief in the green room and oh had, my god and, all right like, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so uh we're shooting a sketch all about the KKK and uh, how they're trying to rebrand into sort of a granola organization, which is ironic because they actually did start accepting blacks and Hispanics. Now, as long as they understand that white people, I don't, yeah, under- I don't fully understand, understand how their the integration game. program has worked with the KKK over the past year. But they were shooting a sketch about how they're like super into kale and these healthy things, right? So uh, we're all dressed up in, in Klansman outfits. I brought my own. I had it at home, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I just always have for the weekends. You know? a, yeah, of course, man. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, I go to tutus. In Brooklyn, yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, so everyone's stuff is in the back, obviously in the kitchen area. Everything gets stolen, and it was sad. But there was one person's <laughs> thing that got stolen that just made me so happy. And that person's name is Holden. Holden, dude. Holden, yeah. okay. So he is the whitest <laughs> man you'll ever know. He's on a, a podcast I do on Cave Comedy Radio called The Round Table of Gentlemen. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, go out there and listen to it. He's a real star of the show. And uh, but he is one of the most obnoxious human beings you'll ever meet in your entire life. So he had his bag stolen, and uh, people think, "Oh, I'm white. I am uh, as ethnic as a as as, as a uh, as a tribesman in 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 deep deep Uganda compared to uh, compared to Holden McNeely." In his bag, what was stolen? Yes, please do it. Yes. A book. <laughs> It was a book, and I forget. It was a. Um, it was. Oh God! It was such a hipster book. It was such such a hipster book. I'm forgetting the art- artist <laughs> now. Anyway, it was a book and a letter that he had just written to, to his, his grandmother, grandmother. <laughs> because his grandmother, I guess, she wasn't doing too well. And I'm like, and he freaked out. He called the police. Of course, you know the cops were all there. <laughs> oh yes, yes, Mr. McNeely. It's it. It, it reminded me of uh, in that movie, The Big Lebowski, when the dude's car was stolen. Oh yeah, and he yes, wanted yes, to yes, get yes, his yes, credence yes. back. Yes, yes. Like yes. I wouldn't hold out much hope on the credence, though. <laughs> no, Mr. McNeely, we're not going to find your book or your letter to <laughs> your, your grandmother. grandmother. You white fuck. It's, it's Brooklyn. There's a murder happening eight blocks away. <laughs> it's so funny because before we shot. 
I, I love Murderfist. I love all you guys so much. And to see Holden, I've seen, I've seen Holden probably weeks or whatever, maybe a month. Yeah. I finally saw him like after that long, and I was like, oh, hey, buddy, how you doing, man? He goes, hey, Jermaine, leave, man. Give him a big old hug. And I was like, what you doing, man? He goes, writing a letter to my grandmother. I was like, that's the sweetest thing. I love my grandma this so much. This is the day of, yeah. This, this has happened. This happened that day. And so uh, we're, we're doing the sketch, you know what I mean? Had a good time and whatnot. But after the sketch is finished, it's, there's a frenzy. Oh, it was a frenzy. It was the worst. Blood I- in the water, sharks all yeah. around. I did not leave that set till every fucking extra was like kind of taken care of by the. Uh, yeah, by yeah. The you were very nice. Everyone I, else booked out of there. I think. Yeah, I think Kevin left. I was like, <laughs> Kevin just was like, I ain't in no part. I don't get sued. I don't get sued. Yeah, yeah. I ain't trying to get sued, brother. So uh, Kevin I, I just know. left there with one new grand, <laughs> with one new note for Holden's grandmother. <laughs> yeah, Interesting, Kevin. Kevin stole all the shit. <laughs> Kevin bought that's a fucking thing, dude. I, I, but when I was very sad, I was, I was extremely, I was embarrassed actually. It's, right, it's my right, set. Right. So I, but when Holden told me his backpack got stolen, <laughs> and that the one thing that was in there that made him. Like almost, he was just so upset with yeah. the letter to his grandmother. Oh my god! I laughed my fucking ass off only because that's the saddest. There wasn't money involved. No, there was no, no money. money. There was no jewelry in that no. backpack. It was I the wish... most sentimental thing you yeah. anybody can do. And he might as well have written that fucking thing with the feather pen, like Dude, the fucking exactly. quill. I want to see a bubble of him talking over him, yeah. narrating him, writing. Dear like, grandmother, like she like that. That's my what I... my lumps are looking large today, grandmother. <laughs> Holden's all. got lumps all over his neck. It's just one of these facts of life. That's all I fucking cared about was envisioning him writing his long letter with a quill. It took probably a week to write, and it getting yeah. stolen by some nigga from Brooklyn made me fucking laugh my fucking. Oh my it's unbelievably God. perfect. Uh, it's unbe- uh, Holden McNeely. Google image him, and you'll you'll see the lumps. You can't yeah. miss them. Well, you gotta see the, the Holden with the glasses. Type in Holden McNeely with glasses. It's unbelievable. So you had that go on, Friends yeah. of the People's, mm-hmm. but you have to scrap this entire pilot. And this was a major production. Yeah, it was. And like, now you're back to zero. Yeah, you're yeah, back yeah. to ground nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing was happening at the time. At the time, I was like, I'll just probably go on tour, work on a comedy special because I don't want to do TV anymore at all. This was the dumb. I I don't want to get heartbroken. Again like this it's right, stupid right. and I also got fired from right there that day I learned I got fired from a pilot that actually shot for MTV2 like okay. that it, I found out on set I got fired from that I mean, pilot. MTV2, like Kevin Barnett has said in multiple bits, <laughs> is just slightly better than the internet or worse than the internet it, MTV2 I was watching Girl Code and I watched an episode of Guy Code as well the, the, <laughs> the thing about those shows, I have a lot of friends on them and I, I'm very happy that my friends are getting work um, but if you would actually, if they would say those things to the art, the, the target demographic is like 12 to 16 year olds, right? Mm-hmm. If they would actually say those things that they say on that show to a 12 year old, they'd get arrested for being pedophiles. <laughs> it's a sex crime what they tell these kids, man. It's disgusting. They're going through positions and shit. They know 10 year olds are watching that. What are you doing, MTV2? It is grown men doing dick jokes for kids. For kids, children. <laughs> I thought John Wayne Gacy was a perverted clown. That's fucking funny. Dude, it's disgusting. <laughs> That's actually really hilarious. We should put an investigation up. I would. Lo- they're all pedophiles. Charlemagne's a pedophile. <laughs> Charlemagne's a pedophile. Charlemagne's a pedophile. <laughs> Charlemagne, the gods on the show. He's an unbelievably nice guy. He believes in paranormal it. stuff. That motherfucking dude right there, man. He's nice I, I, guy. That awesome, man. Uh, I got fired from that fucking pilot, and you know, I was, I was heartbroken because one, I love right. that pilot, and like it was like one of those things like, okay, this don't work out. I did the MTV thing. But it wasn't about the money. It was more about like I like what that show, the pilot from TV two, what it was talking about. Right. Because it was a, I don't, I don't want to say what the show was, but it was 
a fucking great idea, and I wanted to do it really bad. I got fired from it. I really don't. It was very vague why, but probably because I, you know, I was black. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, black isn't necessarily going over too amazingly on MTV. Not too. really. You gotta be yeah. a certain. I'm just playing. They're not but, eight out of the ten cast members <laughs> on every MTV two show. It's unbelievable. <laughs> now I'm just fucking around. But uh, I, I got fired from that. And then the MTV, I mean, then the Comedy Central pilot didn't come, come to fruition. Right. And nothing. I was like, man, the fuck. But, but the one great thing that you always have, and this is the greatest thing about stand-up, you always have that as your backbone. Exactly. I at that at that time, all I had, I was murdering on stage. I was like, I was killing on stage. I was doing every show that was a show. You know what I mean? I think right. I, was, I was I was doing Whiplash, Big Terrifics, and like uh, uh, the show Knitting Factory and shit. Like all my favorite shows, I always wanted. I was Knitting I was, Factory every Sunday at nine p.m. and uh, and. Um, and big terrific every yeah. Wednesday at nine PM. And, uh, and Williamsburg, Williamsburg. Great shows. Great fucking shows. dope ass shows. I think at the time I might have been on Guy Code. I think I wasn't Guy Code. I, I don't know if I was hired at that time. I don't remember, but I was doing well. I, I was on, yeah. I was on tour at colleges and stuff, opening up for like all these dudes. But stand up was I was doing good at stand up. Right. But at the time, again, I do stand up so I can do TV. You know what I mean? Like I I want to, I, I want my jokes. I do a lot of personal jokes about my family and like me and growing up in Maryland, all that stuff. Like I want those jokes to be seen. By right. somebody, so they can give me money to write a movie about it or a TV show. Exactly, that's exactly why I do. That's stand-up. the smart way to do stand up. Period. Uh, and uh, that, that's my fucking plan. You know what I mean? So yes, and my goal. So like uh, I, uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, so True TV. Um, I guess uh, they, they saw the pilot and uh, for for friends for a Legion of Goons, and uh, they saw promise in it, and they. They wanted to reshoot it. And this is when True TV was going through their major rebranding because at this time they were still running three repo shows back to back to back. <laughs> I have no idea what happened with True TV, but one of their executives went, true, went <laughs> repo show crazy. What ape shit, man. Dude, they were like, any repo show. I mean, just a bunch of fat monsters towing cars. I have no clue how one of those shows got on air, let alone three on the same network. So they wanted to go with comedy now. Yeah, that, that's it, right? And I, I was like... Uh, True TV, the, the tow truck station? Exactly, the tow truck station. Tow truck that is station. not good. That's all it is. They do tow truck shows. I was very weary about doing that because at the time I was like, all right, man, I don't, I ain't trying to do more TV, man. I just kind of want to make, I want to make some indie movies. I want to write uh, a pilot probably for like, uh, I want to I sell a pilot. I don't I don't want to act in it. I just want to start. Right, like, right. I, just, I really just want to make movies, y'all. I don't want to do more TV, please. So uh, I got talked into, <laughs> I got talked into doing the True TV thing because uh, yeah. everybody else wanted to do it. And I was like, all right. I guess we're doing it. We're doing. We're doing. Let's redo this thing. Cause one, it was like I wanted to prove that we could make a good show. Right. Period. And uh, I just wanted to, and not not out of spite or anything, just like for myself. Like we could do a TV show. Right. And I'm fucking talented. We're all fucking talented. And it's funny that whole crew, all of us, the, the friends, the people cast. I think we're some of the best comics, like. In the city, great you know I mean? comics: Lil Rel, Jennifer Bartels, um, Josh Rabinowitz, Kevin yeah, Barnett, yourself. Kevin. Thank you, and uh, and Lucas. and, Lu- and the, Lucas the Lucas brothers, brothers. of course. Like, at the time, we weren't doing shit; like we had yeah. nothing. Rel was probably the celebrity in our crew because he was fucking doing like uh, black, uh, you know, fucking uh, the, the the black Def Comedy Jam, like right, uh, right, fucking right. ten stand up shows on TV and shit, you know, yeah, all yeah. that shit. And I was jealous because I've always wanted to do that shit growing up when I was in high school. Dude, I've always wanted to be so on Common View. I've always wanted to be on Common View. Period. So uh, Rel was probably the celebrity in the whole crew, but again. He was like an unsung dude in Chicago. Like, he, oh, he was—he's fucking gigantic in Chicago. But again, 
he was one of those guys who was still unsung. Like people knew his name. But it's he almost wasn't... Impo- we had Henry Zabrowski in here last week, a good friend, and we host the last podcast on the left yeah. together on KF Comedy Radio. But we were talking about what it takes to break through. I mean, the man has been in Scorsese movies. The yeah. guy has his own show where he's the star of it on Adult Swim. All these, and <laughs> yeah. it's still it is still pulling teeth to just get in a lot of these rooms. It's true. One, um, you either have to be the most likable person in a room, be that or be that talented, right? Or uh, fight your fucking ass off. Those right. three things. And uh, some people do all three. You know Got to I mean? do all three. Period. I enjoy all three. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to I like to get better at what I'm doing. I like to fucking uh, uh, fight for a lot of shit. And I also uh, thoroughly enjoy being extremely nice to people. Period. It, well, being nice to people is one of the best things that you can do for yourself in this industry. Yeah. That is just a fact. If you if you doubt me, listen to Michael Keaton uh, in his last award speech when he won it for Birdman was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so uh, go out there uh, and YouTube that. Can you send that. me that, please? It's, it's, I'll send it. To you, Thank yeah. you, um, so what was one of the things that you were so happy with Friends of the People? Obviously, you have your season two coming out, which is going to be twice as many episodes as season one, I believe. And oh, yeah, I and so. um, season one, it set itself apart. It, it it dominated. It did a very it did very very well. What's the thing with Friends of the People that you're so happy with? What new do you guys bring to sketch comedy that hasn't been seen in a while or ever? Let's listen. Let me list them. I guess uh, number one, uh, it was uh, seven comedians. I'm sorry, eight. Uh, Lucas Brothers is two. Uh, so uh, I think no, it's seven. It's That's, seven, right? Yeah, Lucas Brothers are one, right? Uh, yeah, seven. All right, fuck it. Seven. If you share a womb, we'll get into your twin brothers. <laughs> oh, Romy Rome. All right, okay, Jerome. Uh, so it, it was a bunch of comics who pitched a show together, yeah. and who can write and who can act, right? You know what I mean? We don't have we have three writers who are the shit, like George. Uh, George Agnes, Agnes, I can't, he's, he's a Greek last name that's very, very fucking long. Uh, Agnostakis, I think that's it. And Hallie Kiefer and uh, Hugh Moore, fucking great. Yeah, writer. he's a great guy. He's a shit. Yeah. So we had uh, the, the, those guys write for us too. And, you know, it's us. It's like just a fucking, like, ra- like fucking, how do you say it? Like a mystery team of fucking, you know what I mean? Like of comics who yeah. weren't really fucking the shit when we got the show. Or anybody. We were just like fucking, honestly, just nobodies and shit. Right. I'm just, I'm fucking serious. We were nobodies. Nobody was fucking with us, you know what I mean? Except for Comedy Central gave us the fucking pilot. But when that went to shit, it went to shit. It was like nobody was fucking with us. So like, right, right. it happened. So like, whatever. But like, again, we weren't on like lists. We weren't on, uh, you know, like uh, <clears throat> Laugh Button or Split Side or fucking All like. All this look, nonsense. You know, that shit. We weren't yeah, yeah. on like, uh, we weren't, uh, except for Rel, and maybe the Lukies, they were like a variety's top 10. Con- we weren't yeah, yeah. really the fucking darlings of like that fucking. Uh, uh, you know, you know. Well, you didn't the, have the blogger buzz, yeah, the, which is so key nowadays. You know what I mean? They don't have the, we don't have that. Uh, that's a that's a myth, by the way. If you see anybody on the list, if you're a performer and you're not on the list, do not worry about it. The lists always come to you. Never chase the list, and they don't matter one goddamn bit. Exactly, and that's what we weren't on. And it was like we weren't the, we weren't pop, we weren't the popular kids at the table. Put it that way. How right, that? right, right, right. Um, and then we got the show, and uh, what's funny about the show was like um. Uh, during the show, Lucas Brothers they shot Twenty Two Jump Street, right? And uh, they fucking blew the fuck up. They already had the cartoon. Cartoon right. was fucking amazing. Lucas Brothers moving, movie right? Yeah, yeah. it's fucking hilarious cartoon. I love that cartoon. I watch it out of out of pure nostalgia. When I was a kid, I, I loved those types of cartoons. When right. I was a kid, Nickelodeon and shit. And I, I'm happy they brought that type of humor back. And that, that was absurdity. on Fox. It's on Fox, yeah. yeah. Fox ADHD. And they moved it to FXX. And, Unbelievable. Uh, the absurdity of it is gorgeous. So like, I yeah. love those motherfuckers, man. And like uh, at the time, I think Kevin was doing um, probably uh, Adam Divine House Party, and like uh, right. so was Josh and Rel was uh, you know Rel was doing a bunch of stand up shit on TV or whatever. And uh, I think at the time, I don't think I don't know what I, I think I was doing Geico too. And uh, so you all came together to form yeah. a super 
group. Yeah, this like is a sort fucking, of the traveling Wilburys. Yes, you know, like you know, uh, a mixed Wu Tang. You know. <laughs> oh, that's a better reference for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that? The traveling Wilburys. <laughs> I don't know the fuck. Oh, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, dude. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, what was the I other guy? Roy that. Orbison. <laughs> George Harrison. I don't know them. Come, the traveling Wilburys. All I know is they're Wilburys and they're on the move, dude. All I know is the Huckabees. Fine. All I know is the I Heart Huckabees movie. Is that what you? Is that another? Good no, reference? it's not. It's not that. <laughs> it's not it's like not. The, the Goldberg show on a, cultural know. differences. <laughs> 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 just, so you all came together yeah. and just got this thing going. Yeah, we, all we, all we. I mean, that's the best part about the show. Like it or not, it's just it boils down to a bunch of comics who pitch right. the show. It didn't come together on one network. One network saw the promise of it, and our fucking showrunner and director, Neil Punselon, who's a fucking amazing director, and fucking just, he spearheaded this motherfucker, and pretty much knew our strengths and yeah. used them for the show. And the guy, I, I, the guy deserves all the credit, I think, period. The guy, we, we already had the talent. The fucker just, we just needed like somebody to point us. Got to, you, know you got to have that coach, man. Period. The guy was a Phil Jackson. Like, you got to have a Popovich. He's, coach, he's, Popa, yeah, yeah, yeah. coach Popovich. The motherfucker is a Filipino Phil Jackson, man. Serious. <laughs> the motherfucker is the shit. I love Neil, man. He's my boy. He directed my special too, so that dude is the shit. Anyway, so, we all came together to do the damn show, and uh, I think the best part about the show is just the pace of it. Is uh, I, I, nowadays, I don't, I, you know, you, you people do sketches and they're either they don't know how to get out of them, right? So they just, you know, they they don't button it right or whatever. But like the we our show mixes the amount of time a sketch should be done for with the with the nostalgic references that people. Who, right, uh, back in the day, a lot of '90s references, and yeah. the '90s are back. You know what's funny is that it's, that's the truth. But yeah. like, uh, people are afraid to say that they were in the Goosebumps and they were kids. I'm like, no, we, no, that's Goosebumps our, were dope. Yeah, I that's our that's our generation. But I'm like, what happened to our 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 like fucking like uh, our gen- I think the '90s were the best. '90s the best time. Dude, period, the '90s were amazing. We had the first black president. Uh-huh. Now we have the second one. <laughs> it's all it all works out. You know, I mean, the '90s were a time of surplus. Uh-huh. No war. Mm-hmm. Our president was. Finger popping chicks with cigars, rocking denim. Everybody rocking denims. Denim know? was amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm doing nothing but denim. I'm never, I'm never taking it off. Paramount Studios is killing it, nigga. The '90s was the shit. Britney Spears was young. Uh-huh. She didn't shave her head. She didn't go crazy with an umbrella. And hip hop killed it. It was just a great time. But for some reason, the '90s were amazing. I was like, yo, why the fuck aren't there any shows? Knicks were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pro wrestling was good. It was the best. Dude, it was weird because like, we were like, yo, we, we're all, what's one thing we all share in common? We're, it's one lady on our show who's white, all white guy on our show, and a bunch of black dudes from different walks of life or whatever. Right, one right. thing we shared in common was that we grew up in the 90s. Right. And what the fuck do we want to see on TV? Oh, I want to see fucking Kel Mitchell do a sketch with it. Who, who, I haven't seen Kel Mitchell do anything in a, in a long time. You're talking time. about Kel from Good Burger. From Good Burger, from yes, all sir. that. And from uh, the motherfucker, these do cameos and like music videos. I love that motherfucker. I love them. Let's, let's put him in a sketch. You know how fucking cool yeah, that would yeah, be yeah, to yeah. get all these people who we grew up watching? There's a, there's a market for them. Bring they're, them back. Yeah, there's a market. There's a fucking huge group of people who want to see the people we have on our show do shit. And so. these things don't happen by accident. What happens is you grow up in an era, then you yeah. have 10 years of failure, uh-huh. and then you finally get to do the thing that you want to do, and you revert back to the mm-hmm. era that you grew up in. Exactly. That's how This is how these this is all secular things. Exactly. So, and now it also plays into the market because I'm 33, uh-huh. you know, and now theoretically I'm supposed to have money in a house, right? Yeah, so they're yeah, like, yeah, we, yeah. Better, we better uh, market towards that yeah. guy. Yeah, 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 and yeah, so yeah. I'm sitting there watching the show having nostalgia, laughing now at new com- uh, comics as well <laughs> um and uh, it's a purpose so if you're in your 30s 
this show is perfect for you because it reminds it, you of your past, but yeah. you're still like looking at a future show. Yeah, and it's fucking glorious. I think it's hilarious to the writings. Uh, I think the writing's dope as fuck. It's getting right. better. You know what I mean? It's just a, it's a it's a, first season's a very young show. Are we doing? Are we doing? We're just gonna get better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I just there. Kevin Smith, nothing but like Star Wars references, and has there's a market for that. It is like people who just uh, Quentin Tarantino, fucking uh, black exploitation movies. There's, there's a market right. for that. You know what I mean? It's like there was. I was like, there's no nothing on TV besides most cartoons like Adventure Time and like uh, Lucas Bros. Moving Company, all that like uh, Adult Swim shit. Like it's is is 90s heavy. You know what I mean? There's no sketch show, and, and I just wanted it. We, I love our show. I think it's fucking amazing. But yeah. one thing that also uh, that I like about our show is like uh, what was it? Um, uh, it was the pace of it was dope. Uh, it, we're we're all you get your writers there. The writers, yeah, but we're all like the chemistry is like we're all yeah. friends. Like I've I've known I've known all those people. I've known Jen and Rel since the Living Color pilot. They were on it. Right, you know what right, I mean? right. They were on that pilot. I know Kevin. Kevin's a friend of mine. Kevin, I I talk to him about everything. That's my boy. You know yep. I mean? He's also a great comic. He's my favorite people I see live. He's my, I love Kevin. Period. Great uh, friend. Josh, I fuck. I love Josh. Josh is well, like. Well, now you guys are quite brutal to Josh. Jo- no, I really were brutal. We're brutal to Kevin. Well, Kevin can take it. Josh is a sensitive young man. You always say that he said the N-word, or as I say, Nord. You always con- you always accuse him of that, it and the man's me, too sensitive. I make a, I, I love hacking Josh's Facebook and writing, I love these niggas. Like, uh, right. Because he, he gets uneasy about it. Every white man does. You should, and you should. You're right. Like, it's, especially, especially this time, you know what I mean? Like, this this time, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, yeah. Ferguson shit. So, like, uh, he is he, he doesn't want to lose any endorsements for whatever white thing he's doing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so. Is I uh, we all we all fuck with each other, but like the thing with our show, there's no ego in it. There's no egos right. in our show. There's no like hierarchy. Everyone's the same. That's why we fuck with each other so much, so fucking hard. Is because we want to keep everybody at a fucking level head. You know what right. I mean? So, Got to. Can, you're supposed to, especially um, uh, my favorite shows have been like the, uh, when, when do shows go to shit? When a person gets to Hollywood, one right. person, one person fucks it up. One person. Someone right. wants a trailer. Well, my Somebody- favorite example of it, and I don't even know the name of the man that is the uh, cornerstone of this example, but I know the man who benefited from his decision, uh, Perry, Matthew Perry oh, yeah. from Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the second choice for the role of uh, Chandler. And uh, the first choice was another guy who, choose to, who chose to do a sitcom with his name on it. He was the star of it. Mm-hmm. That's what he chose to do. That show ran three episodes. He had his name on television. He had his Seinfeld before Seinfeld even existed moment. Mm-hmm. He was gone. Yeah. And Matthew Perry took a role as an ensemble, one of an ensemble cast. And that show is the greatest. One, I mean, I'm not personally a huge fan of it, but, but it yeah. is one of the largest shows in the history of television. Period. People still, people are doing Friends now. People are right. trying to trying to redo Friends right now. You know what I mean? Like everyone's right. There, there've been less shows about family shit now, and everything right now is just about friends hanging out. Let's get into your family a little bit. What was the reason that you got into comedy? Because there's always some not trauma necessarily, but there's always something in your <laughs> life that makes things. Um, where you have to confront things at a younger age a lot of times when you wanted to get into comedy. For me, it was the evangelical parents, gay brothers, small town Wisconsin, um, being huge and tall without pubic hair and just being overall <laughs> awkward. And, you know, that was sort of what I had to deal with. Um, what was one thing? I know that your mother used to have an interesting job working at these car washes and stuff. Oh, God. Uh, let me this is, let's back up. All right. So I grew up born in D.C., raised in Hyattsville, Maryland, uh, from fifth to like. 18 years old fifth grade to like 18 19 yeah. years old so i grew up in a family where like uh family was pretty the word ghetto is so i don't know if that's an offensive term because they get get i don't use ghetto uh as a as a term where like they were like shitty like 
trashy people. I mean, right, like right. we were broken. Like we parents had four kids. Uh, they had me when, I, when my mom was sixteen, my dad was seventeen. She was ghetto. I, I, I'm ghetto. You know, fuck it, ain't. It's the truth. But I was very weird. I was into like Greek mythology. My parents are very Christian. Uh, they like going to church. I didn't like Christianity. I wanted to believe in Greek gods for a so long time. So much cooler. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. It, period. It fucking is. Definitely. I, I, there's something about the Bible that is so fucking boring to me. And I think it's because it was very pretentious. Yeah. All of it was do this, do that. Whereas in, I only learn from stories. I don't learn from like, dude, fucking in my, people in my face. Right, dude, to do. totally. That's what church was. I don't like being told I need answers. Do. Yeah. Greek I, mythology, say what you will, it gives you some answers. It does. It's fucking, uh, they're all instances and stories. Not that the Bible doesn't have, have any stories, but the person preaching the Bible, I hated because right. uh, I felt these people were hypocrites and stuff. And like, totally. I saw these people outside of church. I was like, this is not right. You know what I mean? So I, I went to a very evangelical Christian school until I was uh, in sixth grade. Uh -huh. And there was a teacher, his name was Mr. Brill, and he was married to a woman named Mrs. Brill who broke her ankle solely because she was morbidly obese. And she <laughs> took one step at her ankle, shattered as if Jean-Claude Van Damme just uh, just, um, uh, it. It just just kicked her right in her goddamn ankle. And she was in blood sport. Bones popping through, exactly. She's she, in blood sport, and she just injured Van Damme's best friend. That is the and best. And Van Damme's got to revenge uh, his death that is or his loss. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard and, about uh, I. I, what's that? That's the saddest thing I've heard about someone's ankle. Oh yeah, literally, uh, the, the her own weight collapsed. I mean, it looked like a uh, tower seven there after the tower uh, after the plane. That took means it down. she didn't walk. That means she, she never walked. She ate her. This happens in Wisconsin regularly, where people eat themselves out of mobility. <laughs> and uh, one day, I'm in a place called Desperado, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. a porn store in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And sure enough, I see Mr. Brill, and I'm 17. I'm not supposed to be in there, but he's my Christian teacher, and I loved every second of it. And I went up right up next to him, me and my buddy Jared. Man, we're like, "What you doing, dude? Uh, How you doing?" <laughs> he got out of there faster than a fucking Mexican in Arizona. Are you out? He got out of there faster than anybody. <laughs> Ever seen, and I didn't did 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 not get a grade underneath uh, a minus that entire rest of the uh, the quarter because he well, knew that I knew that that dude you, was into some kinky ball you know, gag, you, Fifty Shades of Grey shit. You knew his fucking secrets. But that also was the same thing that you were just saying. That shatters. That yeah. just you hypocritical piece of shit. Yeah, and I'm not saying Christianity is wrong or I, I don't, whatever. Do what you. That was my biggest problem with Bill Maher during yeah. Religious. He's going and yelling at uh, truck drivers who are former meth addicts who are picking up lot lizards and. Uh, you know, banging they're, them out. And Sometimes Christianity can be good for you. Yeah, so can some, Islam. Some people are born again and they need that type of guidance, which is fine. I right. didn't need. I didn't think I needed it only because I was very pretentious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like I was very condescending. You were smarter parents. than them. I, I felt that way. Not that they're dumb. I just was like, I want to believe in something else. Right. Like, kind of like Lisa Simpson and fucking, you know, Simpsons when she she wanted to be Buddhist and everybody. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's fine. And now that again, I don't I don't care what you believe in. I I could care less. I just thought there was something else out there that I thought would be a, fit, a better fit for me. Right. Right. So, um, and I was a very pretentious kid. So, <laughs> and uh, so, like, uh, I believed in Greek mythology for a long time. My parents thought I was weird. They would call me a white boy a lot um, because I was into skateboarding. I like, yeah. I, like, I like to play, you know, I used to play Tekken all the time, and Jessup is like law from Tekken and go in the woods and like look for fights and shit. Yeah, yeah. I used to do that. I was a lunatic. I was a fucking weird ass kid. I used to like, I used to like sit in my room in the dark and listen to Bone Thug songs and shit and just Love like Bone think Thugs. about it. My dad yeah. walked in my room while I was just like, like it was like he, it was like he called me jerking off, but I wasn't. It was like I was listening to Bone Thugs in the dark, and he was like, yeah, yeah. "Fuck you doing?" I'm like, "I'm listening to Bone Thugs. Stop being sad. Go out, go outside and play, man. Let me do." It. I'm like, "All right, all right." But Easy has AIDS, man. <laughs> and he's gonna but die. Easy is he dying, died. Daddy. E nine, E nineteen ninety nine, Daddy. 
So like uh, they thought I was I was a strange kid. I was very emo. My favorite movie was Sleepy Hollow. It still is. You know what I mean? Did, like, uh, were you uh, criticized for your um, for your fascination with these? I guess more stereotypically white things by like kids at school and stuff. Also, were you ostracized for it? Nah, or was nah, it embraced? Nah. It was weird because like uh, I, I, I at the time I lived in a black neighborhood. Uh, Latino. Uh, it was Mexican, El Salvadorian, Dominican, and black neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, I went to school at the uh, white area. And it was a very mixed area. It was very. It was called. It was College Park, where University of Maryland is, right? Okay. So it was like a little bit of white, a little bit of black kids, uh, a little bit of Spanish kids, a lot of Asian kids, and uh, a lot of white kids, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I grew up I, as a kid. I thanked my parents for doing that because, like, um, you, I, I don't mind living in a in an area where there's only one group, one class of people there. Right. But when I go to school, I don't want to see that either. I want right. to know who, what else is out there, which what school is for. It's for learning what else is out there, and that is exactly what I want to meet. Like I, I liked, I liked that I had like a an Indian friend named Praveen who was awesome. I had a right. t- Italian kid named Peter Novello. I learned about those people. I learned about there was a fucking there was a kid in our school named Gabe. Everybody would tease him for being Jewish. I didn't know why they would tease him. I asked Gabe why the fuck are they teasing you because you're Jewish, and he told me the whole story. He was like, "Well, this is why because you know Jews." And I was like, "Oh wow!" So I, I learned humor. Right, <laughs> I learned that right, type right, of right. I learned that type of satirical humor when I was a kid. Uh, I learned about the Simpsons when I was in fifth grade because of the white kids and shit. And there were black kids in our school. There was one guy named Jermaine, actually. His name is Jermaine. And uh, he was like him and him and Corey, I think Cody or some shit like that. They were all like the two, the two other black kids in our school who uh, my brother was good for. Jerome was friends with and shit. Jerome was like Jerome was the coolest nigga in fucking school. Period. Your you know twin I mean? brother. Jerome. Jerome. Yeah. Jerome. Jerome. Jerome Fowler. Um, and like, uh, but I always had a mixed group of friends. You know what I mean? Like uh, because that's. That that's what I was always into. Was well, like, I mean, that's where you could go and mine the best sort of comedic content, and also, uh, and also, these are people who probably shared similar interests of, as you that Trump race, yeah, or yeah. Uh, or uh, exactly. social uh, class or whatever it yeah. might be. Well, because one, I was like, uh, I was the black kid in my class, right? And uh, and there was, you know, and they they I I I was in more I was so I was as interested in them as they were about me because right. they probably know who a black they probably never met a black guy before, right? So I I would, I remember um, uh, I went to my friend's uh, birthday party. Uh, his name was Peter. Peter had a birthday party at his house, and it was like the best part. It was the best neighborhood in the, uh, in, in, in uh, College Park, and uh, it was a gigantic mansion, fucking giant. It was yeah, fucking. Yeah, yeah. Gi- we played Smash Brothers all day. It was fucking amazing. I was like, this fucking place is huge. It was, it was like a museum. It was fucking gigantic. Right, right. And then um, we, we I hung out. We listened to fucking blind, uh, uh, bl- uh, that, that fucking uh, punk band from back in the day. No doubt. No, not no doubt. The other one, the three kids, Travis Barker, Travis Barker. Oh, um, Blink One Eighty. Too. I was. I think I'm into them and shit. Yeah, but then yeah, it was yeah. my birthday, and uh, mind you, my dad dropped me off at their house when, 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 when during Peter's birthday. He was like driving around like these motherfuckers living fucking goddamn fucking right, fucking right. houses, right? So he dropped me off. He was like, "Jermaine, you can spend the night. It's fucking fine. Just stay there." Right, I was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> All right. It was like uh, it's like good times. <laughs> so so uh, it was my birthday now, and I was like, "All right, I want a birthday at my apartment." My dad was like, "You sure? Uh, what?" <laughs> I was like, "Why not?" Man, we ain't got nothing for like we ain't got no food. <laughs> it's like, oh come on. So we <laughs> Jermaine's sad ass birthday bash. Was, Make sure to come down. It was true. So I invited all my friends over. I cleaned my room up, and uh, all we all I had was N sixty four and uh, WWE Raw, uh, WWF. Uh, fucking, I think it was Warzone. Dude, Warzone's badass. Uh, fucking Warzone. A badass. Yeah. Uh, Robin Chodry came. Robin was a uh, Native American, I think Spanish or whatever. And uh, Peter came. I think Jack came. And that was about it. And uh, my buddy Sebastian, Sebastian's a shit. So like he's African dude. And so like we all hanging out in my room playing games and shit. And my mom and dad, uh, they were asleep. So uh, Sebastian, and everybody was like, "Yo, you want? Let's go cook." And I was like, "Okay." 
Let's go in the kitchen to cook. Mind you, we don't have any food. Right, right. So what? Man, this is like Peter Pan. <laughs> when Robin Williams is Peter Pan. Just imagine there's food. It'll show up. It's fucking sad. Because they're like, we should, we should make some bad like, Let's make some cookies. I was like, how do you make cookies? Some flour. Get some. Get a banana. Maybe some 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 that. So we got everything. Probably the last bit. Of, like my parents have no money. We took everything they had left in oh the kitchen and made cookies with it. Like everything, like ketchup, all that stuff. It was all in the cookies. So <laughs> my my mom woke up and she went to the kitchen and I'm in the fucking kitchen making cookies. And she's like, Jimmy, what are you doing? Oh, Sebastian, I want to make cookies. And she was like, Sebastian, go to bed real quick. And I was like, All right, go. She said, no, Jimmy, you stay. And I was like, What's wrong? You took all the food ingredients we had in the kitchen. And make cookies, make cookies with it. I was like, "Yeah, she beat the shit out of me. My mom beat the shit out of me oh on purpose. It was fu- It was the saddest thing because, like, I, I that's when I realized, oh shit, we're poor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're yeah. fucking broke, and like, I, I, I don't know. I just that that's how I fucking grew up. I, I always love had- that you just like shattered people's racial stereotypes, though, because you know there was one dude in that class who was like racist as shit, who hated black people, and he's got, he moved on to some university of Georgia or some other place, and he's just like, oh man, I fucking hate nords dude <laughs> want to know why they love ketchup cookies they love greek mythology can't get enough of going into the woods and playing with random sticks you know how black everyone's like i don't think that that's black that's people thing. i don't think you like white people dude oh shit. shit man oh you're probably right oh i don't like nordics like, i don't like <laughs> that's it. i mean i was i was into everything i was into everything and, I, and when i got called white i just felt like that was just a, a microcosm of what I was into. You know what I mean? Like, I was into everything. I loved uh, kung fu. Like, I wanted yeah, to be. Yeah. A, I, I wanted to study kung fu. Like, I would be. I would stay in my room and like study like uh, uh, rice line forms and fucking like uh, learning how to fucking uh, uh, do tai chi and like uh, all that shit. I was into martial arts. I wanted to be a Jackie Chan when I was a kid. I wanted to make right. Jackie Chan type movies and shit. That's what I was into. Cause Who Am I came out and they play that shit um all the time on like hbo my parents i'm watching who am i all the time so i love that shit so like i was into i was a fucking sponge i used to watch movies all the fucking time and mouth the word i would pause the movie and try to mimic whatever nicholas cage was saying and like fucking face off all the time i I, my first movie i ever wrote was a sequel to the rock by nicholas cage and uh, sean connery (laughs) like i was into everything i've always wanted to do that shit i used to fucking uh uh read the dictionary like i used to do that when i was in my room i was just into all that time i was fucking strange right and so then after high school, did you do you went off to uh, college someplace or? Um, no, like in in twelfth grade, I knew that like I probably wasn't in. I was I, I, my parents didn't have any money. Like right, right, right. There was no conditioning for college when I was in right eighth grade, like at all. There was no. My parents were never brought it up. <laughs> my right, parents right, never right. brought up college one time. So in twelfth grade, I was like, oh shit, I got some. I got I got I got to do something after twelfth grade. I forgot. Oh, that's college. Holy shit. <laughs> so. I, there was one moment in my life where, like, uh, uh, I was uh, me and my dad. I was uh, my 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 English teacher sent uh, gave me an an assignment to write an essay for uh, Hampton University, which is yeah. an all black college out in Virginia, right? And so, histor- what was it, historically black college or whatever HBCs, uh, HBU, HBU, right? So I had the essay in my in my hand and in my room, looking at it, and the essay. I'm about to cry because, like, the essay said, what do you want to do while you're in college and like what do you want to why are you going to college and I looked at it and I said I don't know what the fuck right because one in 10th grade uh Kanye West college dropout came out and that's when I was against college I was like I was into my fucking I was in the at 10th grade I was on my like Neo soul shit I I was I was like listening to Dead Prez and like most deaf albums and fucking Kanye and fucking like 
all that shit. Like I was, I was, I was fucking militant as a. I was, I was, I was reading the Ten Point Plan program by Huey P. Newton by, by the Black Path Black yeah, Panthers. Dude. I was in all that shit. So like, I, I didn't want to go to college because I just thought it was just fucking part of the system. Shit, I was fucking. I, I was deep in that shit. So yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. So in twelfth grade, I was coming to my own. Uh, I was into skating and like watching uh, Grandma's Boy movies and shit. I was into like being a. Sla- I was a slacker in twelfth grade. So. The, 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 I was reading the college essay, and it said, "What do you want to be? Why you why are you going to college? What do you want to do while you're here?" Shit like that. And how can you how can you bene- how, how can you benefit our college? Shit like that. That that corny shit. So I'm staring at it. My dad comes in my room like, "Jermaine, what you doing? Uh, I have to write this essay. Can you can you help me?" And he goes, "No, I can't help you." And I just started crying. Like I was yeah bawling because he um. He didn't, um, he didn't, he, uh, sorry, um, <laughs> he, uh, damn, he just, he didn't, he didn't, he never went to college cause he, uh, right. he, he was raising me and, um, he, I, I didn't, I honestly didn't, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to college cause I wanted to just, I just wanted to stay in my, in my hometown cause all my friends were there and at the time my parents were divorced. So like, uh, I didn't have anything but like just our buddies and uh, all we would do was just like like skate and like uh, just go to movies and shit just be fucking dicks like that's all we were so like um i just knew i wasn't going to college because well not even not even like just college it was like just universities and shit like away from home so there was like one school i, th- I could i could like i could probably afford it was like a thousand dollars for like four classes it was a community college called uh it was a uh, prince george's community college and uh my aunt my aunt got me like a fucking guy just gave me money to go to the college right and so I'm sorry, hold on. Um damn, I'm sorry, hold on. It's a fucking comedy podcast, man. I'm sorry. No, it, I I'm stupid. never funny. It doesn't matter. It's no, not it's, comedy. Right. it's not a, <laughs> it's the Ben Kissel show, I assure you there's nothing funny about it's it. Fucking white Oprah. So uh <laughs> <laughs> so my aunt she gave me some fucking money to uh go to college and i took a i was majoring in business administration and uh one class was like business management and like i also had english and like uh some other shit and it was fucking dumb because i knew my dad kicked me out when i was like 18 and uh i went to go live with my grandma and she uh she just let me she let me do stand up while i was living with her and um and if I wasn't living with her, I probably wouldn't be doing stand up because yeah. she gave me that freedom. So, uh, my aunt fucking gave me the money to go to college or whatever, and I fucking just, I didn't, I didn't. All I did was write jokes. Like, right, right. It's all I did was just write just gangs of fucking jokes about like uh, I used to write jokes about like child abductors and like <laughs> <laughs> I had a my favorite joke. I had this one bit. I had this one bit about like a like I don't think. I don't think uh, if you ever kidnap a child, you know, you your life is over. You can probably get a job after you get out of prison as like a, you know, a candy salesman somewhere like for like, you know, helping sell candy for Snickers. Like, so because so, you already know the pitch and like how to, you know, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, like, oh, man, if you know how to get kids interested in your product, dude, you, you can, can make a living for the rest of your life. Yeah. Dude. So I had this joke. It was like get a job at Nickelodeon. Something like that. Right. I, I had this bit. I was like, yo, what if Snickers had like this whole floor of like child abductors who all they did was like pitch ideas of how to get yeah, kids yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to eat Snickers again. So the like, red trucks aren't working yeah. god damn it we need neons 
<laughs> so, exactly. That was the old bit I had. And uh, <laughs> I, I, would, I used to write shit like that. I was very dark. And I didn't realize I was, I, people would call me like um, a goofy, dark, like, like comic and shit. I didn't realize the shit like I was writing about was very fucking like heavy shit. But like, yeah, I had a I, I have a, I had a smile on my face when I would say it, so I got away with it all the time and shit. So like, uh, I, it was fucked up. But um, those like old jokes I, I used to write and in my fucking old like in my in my homework assignments shit like that. So like, I I just stopped going. I so college out. served its purpose for you, but in an entirely d- unintended reason. way. Yes, for a different reason. That's great. Yeah. So I, I realized the day I wanted to start doing comedy full time uh, at, at a night class for business management, and I'm in there <laughs> for biz- uh, me owning a fucking business. Fuck, like I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to. What the fuck was I gonna do with that? You know what I mean? It was a dumb fucking degree. So like, uh, it was a stupid reason. It, oh, business management. It, it's it comes very with vague. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's fucking all. You, all you have to do. All that is to teach people how to own a fucking their own Quiznos somewhere and like exactly. bumblefuck. You know. So uh, the, you're not you're not baking the bread right. <laughs> that's all that. That's all degree it tells you is to do. For. Yep. So I dropped out right when I realized uh, they were on, on a Wednesday. Wednesdays there was the show called Rendezvous in Adams Morgan, D.C. and uh, I was like, do I go to business management class or do I go to rendezvous and try this fucking joke about these child doctors? <laughs> so I went to fucking rendezvous. Damn right. And uh, that's when I realized, fucking A, I want to do stand-up for the rest of my life and shit. That's perfect. And yeah. that's what you got to do, everybody. Going to rendezvous was your stone-cold Steve Austin, Austin 3-6 moment. Follow your dreams, follow your passions, and it doesn't matter if you miss a night class for business administration <laughs> over at some community college. I assure you, your life is going to be bigger and better than anything that class could possibly teach you. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for being here, Jermaine. No, thanks for having me, man. Check out True TV's Friends of the People. When does it air? Uh, well, uh, I think the uh, the new season comes out sometime in the summer, but there's okay. no definite date yet. But the first season's on marathons and shit on True TV. We finished that first season a couple week, months ago, actually, and it's fucking great. So catch the marathons on True TV right now. Awesome. And find Jermaine Fowler on Twitter at uh, Jermaine Fowler. And then I'm Ben, mm-hmm. ben Kissel and Mike Coscarelli. Thank you so much, buddy. Big Mike. Big Mike. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.